Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the CHGO Blackhawks podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Happy Thursday. I'm Jay Zawoski with Greg Boyson and Mario Cherubasi. We are here in our West Loop studios. A lot to get to today. At 3 o'clock, we're going to talk to Craig Morgan of PHNX Coyotes. He is the absolute authority on all things Coyotes, and they are tomorrow's opponent and uh, I guess you'd say contenders in a tankathon, but probably a little bit better yeah, than people expected. Yeah, but they're doing expected. a poor job of uh, staying in the tank standings. Yeah, they screwed that up too. Yeah, they they kind of suck at sucking. We had to kick them out of the poo-poo gang. Yeah, <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, there's still time. It's only January. <laughs> uh, more importantly and more uh, pressingly, we have an update on Patrick Kane's health, and uh, later we're going to hear from Blackhawks head coach Luke Richardson, who had some really insightful stuff on prospect development Interesting uh, as it pertains as well. to Reichel and just sort of in general as well. But let's start with the biggest story, fellas. Uh, Patrick Kane missed practice today as expected, but they called it a maintenance day. Uh, Luke Richardson said that Kane was working, on, working out off the ice, and they'll see how he responds uh, later today. But it sounds like there's a pretty decent chance that he plays tomorrow night against Phoenix. Yeah. Arizona, sorry. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh it's just it seems like, you know, whatever whatever is ailing him with his with his leg, um, it seems like it's probably just like any normal person would take a couple of days off from not running or working out or whatever, and then they'd be fine, but he's a professional athlete, hockey players playing hockey all, all the time, uh, during the season. So yeah, it just kinda needed maybe a, a lighter day. And I, I I would be surprised if he doesn't play tomorrow. I think I think he's the kind of guy who, you know, t- t- to play the game on uh, on Tuesday, already kind of having to deal with something, I would be surprised if he didn't give it a go on uh, tomorrow. Yeah, we'll we'll have a better idea tomorrow morning at morning skate. It sounds like he's going to give it a shot and see how he feels. Uh, here's a reason why he probably wants to play tomorrow. This is from our buddy Craig Morgan, uh, that in 45 career games versus Arizona, Patrick Kane has 17 goals and 56 points. Yeah. So for a guy that uh, loves to put points on the board and has been struggling to put points on the board this year, sees that game on the calendar, he's going to probably do his best to get out there. So I will echo Jay and say I will be surprised if uh, he doesn't play tomorrow. And if he doesn't, it's not the end of the world. It is what it is. The the good news is it doesn't sound like it's anything serious. It's just going to be one of those things that's probably going to be bugging him for the rest of the season. 
Hopefully not. But yeah, if there's if there's a player on this roster that you are uh, content giving a night off if they need it, it is Patrick Kane because you need him healthy for March third. Yes, you do. <laughs> that, that's the biggest yeah. like worry when you start dealing with injuries and you're like, don't just like he may ultimately decide I don't want to be traded, which he earned that right. But for him to not even have that, like, if God forbid him or Taves get hurt to where they're not even going to be healthy enough to trade, then you're just like, wow, that's a completely different story right there than if they decide they don't want to be traded. But uh, the cool thing was that um, Luke Richardson confirmed the matter uh, who's available, who's not available. Of course, Entwistle, Carr on IR. Tyler Johnson was back practicing. He had a stomach issue, a stomach vi- a bug compared to where everybody else is kind of more your traditional flu-like symptoms. Andreas Anthony was not there today. He's the latest to get the bug, not the stomach bug, but the other bug. And But Luke Richardson said no matter who's available, both Lucas Reichel and Brent Senny are playing tomorrow regardless. So yep. that's good. Couldn't really give us... Uh, any kind of lineup decision because yeah, not having yeah, Patrick know, Kane yeah. and Andreas Athanasiu available today, you don't even get a good look at where guys could slot in. So we'll see. But it, he did mention with Reichel that this was going to be a bigger opportunity to play in the top six, which it should be. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, with or without Kane, you know. Yeah. And we saw him working on the right side of the power play. There wasn't a lot of uh, even strength work, work today. A lot of the drills were... You know, two forwards and a D against two defensemen. A lot of sort of small space drills, battling kind of drills today. Yeah. Um, and, and power play a little bit. So I uh, couldn't glean too much from what the line combos could be. He also mentioned Philip Kurashev is a guy who might be bouncing up and down uh, tomorrow, de- depending on, um, you know, again, who's healthy and who's available. Was Cini, I was I, I'd never seen him in person before. He is a diminutive person. He's not a big guy. He no, is real small, and i i don't I don't doubt that he can handle a you know like a third line role. But I don't know. I mean, he's like Colin Blackwell. I was very surprised by how small he was. Well, yeah. that's why that's how you can be second in the AHL in scoring and not get many sniffs at the NHL. Yeah, right. Because right. it's that size. If he was three inches taller, he'd probably have been in the NHL for the last four years. Could be. Yeah. I mean, he. Played, I think it was 51 games with the Devils who drafted him in the 2018-19 season and had, you know, five or six goals, and I, th- I think he fit, had like 13 or 14 points. So he can produce. He's been really great for the Ice Hogs. But, yeah, that size, I know it's not the biggest, like it's not what it used to be. It's smaller players have succeeded, but usually when you're that size, you have to be, you know, a Patrick Kane or Martin St. Martin St. Louis technically mm-hmm. like a lot of times still to this day if you're picking between guys to be bottom six guys you're looking for the bigger guys and the smaller guys yeah and, guys that are going to be more physical yeah like if you if you know your guy is a five goal 20 point game a season and you got to pick between a six three guy and a five ten guy you're probably going with the six three guy yeah I mean Tyler Ennis has had a fine fine career but he is he's not going to you know, keep going in the NHL. Right, yeah. But I'm, I'm, I'm happy for Senny. He's had a, a, a really great season for the Ice Hogs. A lot of that is because he's been playing with Lucas Reichel. They've, they've formed a really good chemistry. It just appears to me that they're going to play tomorrow and be right back to Rockford. That just seems how it's going to be, especially if yeah. Kane is good to go and, you know, Johnson's back. 
I mean, as, get healthy. as Richardson yeah. said, Reichel's only going to be here if there's a spot in the top six. There should be a spot in the top six for him regardless of who's playing or not because then you can really get some balance. If you keep Reichel up here for a few games, let him play with Domi and Kane, then you can put Athanasiu back to that third line with with Dickinson and, and Lafferty. They mm-hmm. seem to be very effective. Or you put Kurashev down on a third line. So all of a sudden now – You've got maybe three lines that, if you squint hard enough, can score a goal, as opposed <laughs> yeah, to maybe. one and a half lines that can do right, it. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see what happens after tomorrow. But I'm just happy that we're going to have a game tomorrow with something different to watch and yeah. something different to report on. S- something different to watch and, an, and an, a chance at a competitive game. It'll be fun. Yeah. Definitely. Um, you know, I, I get the vibe, too, that Reichel will not be here long, and same with Senny, obviously. Um, but the, this this vibe of, like, well, there's not really room for him in the top six. There should always be room for him in the top six. I think that I, I like Tyler Johnson. Luke Richardson went out of his way today to talk about how the guy's a winner. He wants to win. He's driven. He's a guy you don't – I think he used the term turn the key. You don't have to turn the key to get him started. Yeah. He's always got a high motor. That's fine and dandy. He's got one point in his last six games, mm-hmm. right? It's not like he's been like, – I, I think that we can't be having guys, regardless of age or experience, locked into certain roles based on reputation alone. And if Tyler Johnson has to play in a third line so Lucas Reichel can say, I'm all for that, Yeah. right? And I get the big picture, and I know there's a lot more to be developed from Reichel, and we're going to get to that here in a little bit. But I just – I don't know. I, I just don't think that Athanasiu and Johnson should be just handed top six roles because they've got more NHL experience. They're they're not really producing. Yeah, and it's not. A, it's no one is on this team. Let's right. be honest. Right. But there's nothing in Tyler Johnson that tells me. Well, I mean, you, you have to play him in the top six. He's earned it. Yeah, I'm, I don't know. I I would be. I'm in the camp too of if Lucas Reichel was in your top six this entire season, if he had start, started the year with them and, and played in the top six, I'd be totally fine with that. Um, and, and even now, if, if it was like, okay, he's up, he's going to stay with us for a few months or a few weeks or whatever, and you, and you continue to sleep, play him in the top six, I'd be fine with that because that's the kind of player that he's supposed to be. That's the kind of player he plays off of uh, with his line mates. So that's, that's, that's the role that he needs to be, that he needs to be played with. Um, but I think, you know, it's, it's, Aside, you know, we talked about it yesterday. Aside from the Blackhawks coming out and being like, "When Lucas Reichel's here, he's here for good." It's like, okay, well, you didn't do that. Yeah, you're not. Good. You're not going to be doing that. Um, so I think you know, getting these these small opportunities to to play in a top six role and play in that kind of style of hockey is good. But like he he talked about it today. It's just like you, you kind of need those times to build some of those. You know, you you build off of. Each shift you take, each each little thing that you do right, you build off of that, and and that can build your confidence. And uh, he spoke about, you know, having to learn how to be more patient with himself and with his game, uh, going between the AHL and the NHL, uh, especially this season, and you know, not having to create something every time you're on the ice. Like if you're on the ice for a shift and nothing happens. Sometimes that's a good thing. That means you didn't do anything wrong. Like yeah. that's that's completely fine uh, to do. And so that's something that he's that he's learning. But I, I I would wish at this point in his development he could learn some of those things while playing NHL minutes. 
Yeah, there's not a ton more for him to do at the AHL level aside from get stronger. So instead of just talking about it, why don't we play what Luke Richardson yeah. had to say today after practice? Uh, this is about three and a half minutes or so, give or take. Uh, John Dietz had the question, uh, and I think it's on there, but in case it's not, John Dietz says, was it a difficult decision to send Lucas Reichel down to the American Hockey League when the season began? Here's what Luke had to say. When you go back to the beginning of the season, I mean, as training camp was running, was it a difficult decision for you guys to send Lucas down, or was it like, no, he needs almost a full year? Yeah, no, I think it was uh, not an easy decision that we wanted to do it. I think it was just an obvious decision. Like, seeing him at, uh, you know, the rookie camp was probably my first real experience seeing him in a game. Um, I didn't see him last year. I don't think at all play against us in Montreal, but he... You know, I mean, he shows some brilliant flashes, but it just doesn't look like he's consistently and physically ready for the NHL and, and to be a centerman especially. So I think, you know, to start him on a wing here would be a good idea to play with some NHL players and not be so responsible 200 feet. You know, you just have your little areas on the walls and, you know, you got to be the F3 if you're the last guy in there or you got to be a good F1 and be hard. And, and I don't think that's naturally in him. But if he wants to get the puck back in the offensive zone, he's going to have to learn to do that in this league and uh, separate guys that are bigger than him and stronger than him, but he's quicker. He's quicker and he's an intelligent player. He's got to learn how to put that into his game plan in our team philosophy and, and make it work. And uh, he's a bright guy, so he's got to figure out that quickly if he wants the longer opportunity to do that. But I, I think he will. I think he's driven. I think he's shown this year that he wants to take a step and be a – uh, top player in the American League so that he can come here and last and sustain, not just be, uh, you know, a flash in the pan or, you know, a one-way type of player. Like in the NHL, you can't really be that unless you're, a, you know, a real special player. And usually those guys are the guys that go up and down the ice and they're the two-way players. What have you seen over the years? Like the guy who kept up for too long and guy's career is just... Oh, it's happened. It's happened for years. Like there's a lot of um, you know pressure for, for you to play your first rounders, and then then the organization feels pressure because oh we used our first round pick on this guy and we're not playing him. But I think there's been lots of good uh, you know instances of organizations make the guys work their way and earn their way up and, and have to work on certain parts of their game so they don't falter and really get exposed at this level and uh, you know I've seen guys over the years like if you want to go way back like Alexander Dig, you know was the first overall a lot of pressure and, and you know really struggled with it and uh, there was other guys uh, I think was it uh, was the guy in um, Atlanta who was it uh uh, I forget it was Bach or something like that, like way back. I can't remember his name even. You know, I mean, that's that's what happens to somebody. You know, I mean, it's it's a first overall pick, and, and you don't and you don't make it. That's a lot of pressure. So um, I think even the Yakupov guy in Edmonton, like there's another one, like he wasn't ready to play, like physically or mentally, uh, to, to play an NHL game, and and they were under pressure. You know, especially there in the Canadian market, and after I think doing going to the finals, uh, I think a year or two before that, and forcing a guy that's not in there and now, you know, never played the league again. So I think this is uh, good. It's tough for the player to understand that at the time. They want to play. They just want to play. They, they've never been on a team that they haven't made, and they feel like they were cut. And, 
but really this is the same organization. You're not getting cut, you're just getting in a, putting you in a position to have success and then when you graduate to the next step, then you can have a success there. Yeah, he's going back down. <laughs> I don't think yeah, no, there's, there's not much doubt about it. And look, the, as much as we would like to see him and as much as it would bring excitement to the season and something else to talk about aside from losses piling up over and over again, his reasoning is sound. Reichel yeah. does need to get stronger. He was asked, I think, by Charlie about, about keeping the weight on. Ben Pope. It was Ben Pope. You're yeah. right. Um, about keeping the weight on that he put in in the offseason. And, and Reichel kind of said, like, hey, he's had trouble doing that. He does need to get stronger. And, and Skokes points out, he says, I love Luke Richardson, but that's why you need grinders and shooters around Reichel to fully utilize his skill set. He can't turn him into something he's not. I don't think that's what Luke is saying. No, he's not trying to turn him into a fourth liner. Yeah, I think what Luke is saying is he needs to be able to hold his own against guys that are bigger than him. Yeah. Like Patrick Kane is not big, but he can beat a guy to a puck, lift a stick, take it away. He can use his intelligence to do those sort of things, but he, he also has the physical strength, too. Yeah. To, he's not going to... Kane is Patrick Kane's not going to stiff arm Chris Pronger. No, but right? he's, but he's smart enough. He gets strong enough and smart enough to position himself correctly. He's smart enough. He's good enough. He's yeah. I mean, he's 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 shifty enough and and smart enough to avoid contact. And I, I don't know if if Reichel has that same ability. I, I th if he did, I think he'd be in the NHL. But yeah, I think it's it's more or less about being able to handle playing those kinds of minutes playing those kinds of that, that amount of time in the NHL to physically be able to handle it. Cause you're not going to avoid every contact. Uh, you're not going to avoid every, ev every hit and, and be able to be effective. You're going to have to ha take some hits to, you know, get into a corner or take some, take some physicality to get to the net. Like Reichel will have to be able to handle that. And yeah, I mean, he's, I mean, if you, if you looked at Lucas Reichel, not knowing he's a hockey player and, and saw him go through a workout, you'd be like, oh, he's probably a tennis player. Like he's, he's, he's long, wiry, he's lean, a yeah. little wiry, but you know, he, he definitely has since last season, he's, he's visibly bigger and, 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 you know, filled out a little bit more. So it, he's going in that direction. You just don't want him and he's not going to, but you don't want him to get too big to where you take away from from his the speed of his uh, of his game or anything like that. So there's there, there's a, a line to to walk with with adding pounds and adding strength. Luke Richardson is big on one on one battles. Yeah. And how how many times have we heard him this season? You got to win those one on one battles. We didn't win the one on one battles. Mm -hmm. That's how we gave up this goal and that goal. That's what he means about being stronger. He's not. He doesn't want Lucas Reichel to turn into Reese Johnson. But he wants Lucas Reichel to, if there's a board battle, to win a few of those every once in a chance. while, yeah. or to go get yeah. a puck and keep it in the zone. So now it's extended offensive time. So now he can use his skill set. You still have to be able to do some of those things. The less glamorous parts of the game, even when you're highly skilled, you still have to be able to do some of those. And while he's not as dynamic as Patrick Kane, can Patrick Kane get away with doing some of those things because he's playing most of his career on a different level than everybody on the ice. Lucas right. Reichel's not that player. He's not that level of prospect. He's, and he never will be. Right. He's not going to be on that level. So he's got to figure out ways to earn an advantage because when he was playing in Germany and when he, and when he was playing in the AHL, his talent gives him that advantage. That 
is not a factor in the NHL. Everybody is just as talented, if not more talented, than Lucas Reichel. So now he has to find other ways to earn that advantage on the ice, and that's yeah. what he's talking about. About like, and he's not the, the organization doesn't think he's there yet. Yeah, and I don't necessarily disagree with them. It's good patience by the organization, and it has to be frustrating for Davidson and Richardson and everybody. Is the losses piled and say we got this really highly skilled kid, one of the most skilled players in our organization, just sitting there, and it's really tempting to do that, but it's clear that they don't think he's ready yet. And yeah. I'm fine with it. And your point about him playing in Germany is really good, Greg, because Luke said it today. Like a lot of these guys have, they've all been the best player on their team. They're not used to not making the team, so to speak. Yeah, Germany. He is dominating the hell out of Germany. Right. Right. Like Patrick Kane's playing in, uh, in, uh, for the London Knights against better competition. You know, Jonathan Taze is playing college hockey. It goes on and on. Reichel comes from Germany, where the talent pool is much, much smaller than it is in North America. It's competitive, but it's yeah. nowhere near, right? So that jump for him is even bigger than your standard Canadian American, even a Swede or a Finn, yeah. right? It's, it's a bigger jump from level to level for Reichel. So it's a bigger adjustment for him. So I don't know. I, I, he seems to understand it. Reichel does. Um, you could tell. I don't want to say. I think frustrated is the wrong word. But maybe disappointed that he's not here full time yet. But look, I love the way Richardson explained why. It is yeah. so, it's like we talked about with Kyle Davidson last night. Like We don't know if the plan is going to work. But the plan is sound. And it makes sense. Whether or not it pays off, we'll see. But I think they're taking the, the safe route, the smart route with Lucas Reichel, and that's what they should be doing. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's, it's tough to balance, you know, wanting him to be here and understanding why he's not. But I, I, I think there's one thing about Kyle Davidson is that he, he definitely is banking on the patience of these, uh, of, of these prospects and, and, and taking their time. Um, I mean the the little nuances of the game I think are are definitely important to to sharpen before jumping right into the you know right into the NHL for for Reichel. But I mean I just I just watch him at the AHL level and he looks you know he he plays with um he plays with a confidence. You watch him play yeah. in Ice Hogs games and he looks like a different player because he's up there top line go-to guy one of one of the big uh producers for that team and I think he just I think he just needs an opportunity at the NHL level to be told like hey go I know we talked about this yesterday go go do your thing and and go go out there and 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 play with some confidence to to not think that if you make a mistake you're going to be sent right back down or if you make a mistake you're going to be benched like go out there and and start to find fine tune your game at the NH, at the NHL level and he can't do it in you know 12 hours in the NHL, like, what is he going to get out of that? Nothing. Two, uh, one game, two games, whatever it is. Like, he needs, he needs to ha eventually have a time where it's, you know, a two-week, whole month, two-month stretch where he's playing consistently, and then you can kind of evaluate what, he, what where, where is he at at the NHL level. Because at the AHL level, from, from, from times that I'm watching him with, with the Ice Hogs, from what I see, like, I see a guy that's like, he's, he's good. He's he's done. He's capped out what he can do in the at the AHL level, and I maybe I'm seeing something different or or overlooking some things. But I, I to me, I just see a guy who's 
who's too good for the AHL and is ready to, you know, find out what he can do at the NHL level. Yeah, I think that that stretch where he's going to get that NHL time uh, for an extended period will come starting March 4th. Yeah, I was going to say, probably be later this season He'll anyways. get the last six weeks of the regular season to be a Blackhawk, and then he'll go back to Rockford for the Calder Cup run. Yeah. And we'll have a better idea. We'll, we'll, we won't be as in the dark as we are now. If he can play from March 3rd to the end of the season, that's roughly 20 games. If he could play all 20 of those games in the top six, I think we'll have some questions and maybe some new questions will arise, but we'll, we'll probably feel a little bit better because you give him 20 games in a row in the NHL playing a top six, the points will come. Yep. They'll uh, get there. Depending on who he plays in that stretch, <laughs> who he plays with during that stretch of time. But yeah, the, I, I get your he'll point. He'll get uh, on the board and he'll get some confidence and then he can go to the AHL, go to the Calder cup, hopefully a very deep run. Maybe it, maybe a Calder cup at the end of the un, end of the rainbow there. They definitely have the roster nice. that is typical of Calder Cup champions, a lot of AHL vets. And then next year he comes in saying, hey, knowing he can do it at the NHL level, hey, I played 21 games and I had 11 points or whatever it was. I finally got my first NHL goal. I think when he finally gets that first one, yeah, it's going to like yeah. pop for him where he's like, okay, I've known I can do it. But now I've done it. Let's do it yeah. again. Mm-hmm. Like it's, and then he can go in the next training camp. He can go in his off season, get bigger, get stronger, work on those little nuances that the organization wants him to do, and then he'll have that NHL confidence at the start of training camp next year, and then it's off to the races. Well, you know, in, in fairness too to Reichel, like it, he can't get those game exper- those game moments of experience without being. In an NHL game, like you could say, like, well, imagine a really fast guy is coming to, like, <laughs> at some point you've got to be in the NHL to overcome NHL challenges. And I, I think you're right that March 4th, after the trade deadline, he'll find his way here, finish regular season, yeah. then head to Rockford, yeah. which is what they should do. Uh, but you can't practice for the NHL in the AHL. You need, right? You, you can need. physically get bigger and stronger yeah. and compete, but in terms of, overcoming the challenges that Luke Richardson and everybody wants him to overcome until he's here, he's not going to be able to do that. So it's one thing to go up against, you know, the other team's Brett Senny, who's a really nice AHL player, but that's not Jonathan Taves. Right. That's not Brad Marchand. That's not whoever. Right. So it's, it's, it's a tough position to be in and, and he's got to get those challenges to overcome those challenges is what you, I'm trying to say. You need job experience to gain job experience. Which, That's correct. So it's a loophole we've all been in. Right. <laughs> well, look, like you can't go host a sports talk show without hosting a sports talk show. Right, yeah. You know, so anyway. Uh, Craig Morgan is standing by, our, our friend from PHNX. He's going to join us in a second. But first, we want to tell you about our friends at Green Ridge Farm. They're a Chicago local meat and cheese company offering you a better all-natural option. They're the makers of all-natural deli meats, sausages, and their famous meat sticks, perfect for tailgating, happy hour, and school lunches. They're all-natural, hardwood smoked for eight hours, and they've got 16 grams of protein per stick. If you work out for some reason, it's a perfect post-workout snack. They come in chicken, black forest beef, and flavors like jalapeno cheddar and spicy chili. They're made from recipes generations in the making, they're all natural and deliver a fresh and flavorful alternative at snack time. You can always find them in the refrigerated section at Costco, Sam's Club, the Jewels, the Pete's, wherever you shop. Look for it in your Chicagoland grocery store. And right now, when you order any three meat products at GreenRidgeFarm.com and include a pack of meat sticks in your cart, those meat sticks will be free 
simply by using the code CHGO at checkout. Green Ridge Farm, simply natural meat. Hey, speaking of uh, awesome companies that start with the letter G, uh, G's a good letter. I'm a big fan of the letter G and yeah. things that start with the letter G. Go check out Game Time, right. and you'll save lots of money on your tickets to whatever you want to go to. You want to go to a sporting event? Those are fun. Concerts are cool. Broadway-type shows, they got tickets for everything. If you ever dreamed of sitting in a seat you never thought you could, do you like those right-on-the-glass seats you want to sit behind the penalty box so you can yell things at opposing players? Personally, I'm a big fan of the 200 level. That's where you get the best view. No matter where you want to sit, the biggest last-minute price drops can be found on the seats you thought you could never buy by heading over to game time. You will not find a better deal on Blackhawks tickets this season. Uh, they've got a ton of great deals. I'm on the site right now. If you want to go to see tomorrow's huge Huge tilt with the Arizona Coyotes. 30 bucks gets you in the door. Look at this. Sunday, Calgary Flames. Our old buddy Daryl Sutter. $15 tickets. $15 tickets next Thursday against the reigning champ Colorado Avalanche. $13 if you want to go see the Buffalo Sabres and future Hart Trophy winner Tage Thompson. It's all there for you. At game time, it's created by the fans for the fans. They guarantee the lowest price. And if you love CHGO, and you wouldn't be here if you didn't, then you'll love game time too. The best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in the description. If you're watching on YouTube, thank you. Scroll down, hit that gigantic thumbs up, please. And then right below that, you'll see the link for game time. Click that anytime you want to buy tickets. And if you're listening on one of our audio-only outlets, that link is in the description as well. So use game time next time you want to buy tickets for any event, but especially those Blackhawks tickets. Save money and help us out. All right. Joining us now is our friend from PHNX. It is Craig Morgan. Follow him on Twitter at Craig Smorgan or Craig's Morgan, whichever one you prefer. Craig, thanks for joining us, man. We appreciate it. I gotta tell you, I feel right at home after listening to Jay say sausage. sausage. I want to get down to want to get down to the jewel and, and get my Heinemann's coffee cake, and I'll be all good. Be all good. Oh to, man, to jewels! I could use one of those right now. Yeah, I haven't I haven't eaten in twenty five minutes. <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah. Well, game one of the uh, Bedard Bowl is uh, tomorrow, and you guys are kind of kind of screwing us up a little bit, Craig. What's going on? What's up with the Coyotes? Yeah. They're they're better man. than expected. Yeah, they're screwing themselves up, which is what the Coyotes often do, as you guys know. Uh, the, the Blackhawks are doing this right. They are tanking right. I, I, I got to ask you, like, I, I have a question right off the hop here. Are they even trying? Are the Blackhawks even trying? That's, hey, they Craig, are that, ready to work. Yeah, all right? that, that's about all they do is try. <laughs> I, um, I said this last night that Kyle Davidson should win an award for, being, for constructing this roster because he's made it full of guys that look – like they're trying to win, but have no chance in hell to actually win. Uh, they try really hard. They just they just can't do. They can't get it done. Great great job building this roster. Yeah, and on the flip side, we've got the Coyotes who have the eighth best winning percentage on home ice. They they're seven three and two at the mullet, and that's that's the big reason why they're sitting in the fifth worst spot in the NHL instead of right down there with the Blackhawks and the Jackets and. Again, this this season was all about this. This whole rebuild for the last couple of seasons was about this draft in particular and getting a franchise center, and now it looks like they are going to reduce their odds significantly by the way they're playing on home ice. 
I looked at the standings, and they're actually the same amount of points away from the last wild card spot as they are from the Blackhawks. It's like the worst nightmare uh, <laughs> scenario where you're like, Ugh, what's the vibe with the fans, uh, the Coyote fans? I know every time the Blackhawks win a game, everybody freaks out and is like, oh, my God, they're too good. They're too good. How dare they win a game? Has that been kind of the same vibe there with with the phnx fans or is it kind of like eh, we don't mind that much it's really split they're they're the people that understand that you don't win stanley cups without a franchise center and then the, the other people are just like i just want to see wins right now I, I you know and i get both perspectives but as someone who's covered this team for two decades what do you want you want to spin your wheels for another decade that's that's what's going to happen this franchise has not had a true number one center since your guy Jeremy Roenick left town. Really, it's been that long. It's been more than two decades since they've had a legitimate number one center, and that as much as anything, and there, there are a lot of things to talk about with the Coyotes, but in terms of on-ice success, you start right there. Oh, you guys could have had Dylan Strom. I mean, you missed out on that. But me. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, so we're watching Logan Cooley light it up for Team USA. Um, I know he's a, he's a center there. Does he project as a center for the Coyotes, and could he possibly be – that franchise center. It could be. Uh, listen, I, I don't want to discount what Logan Cooley's been doing. He's obviously been doing some really good things both uh, on the college stage and at the World Juniors. Um, but he's not Connor Bedard. <laughs> you guys have <laughs> right. seen what Connor Bedard. Those guys come along very seldom. And I'm not saying that the Coyotes would win. That's the sweepstakes for Connor Bedard, even if they had the worst record. It's still only, what, an 18.5% chance of getting that top pick. Just to remind you guys, by the way, I know you've been talking a yeah, lot about know. having Connor Bedard as a Blackhawk. It's Absolutely. not a guaranteed. But, you know, I, I think when it's Chicago in that position, they probably add 10 percentage points to make sure that they get it. When it's the Coyotes, they probably go the other direction because the Coyotes <laughs> somehow in 26 years in the desert have not had a number one overall pick or – a number two overall pick. Tell me how that happens. I don't get it. I don't know. I don't know. But if you listen to other people, they're going to get they're going to get it rigged for the Coyotes. Yeah. Yeah. Us. See, it's it's <laughs> all it's, it's Craig. It's all which conspiracy you buy into. That's fair. Is it That's the fair. NHL wants to help out the Blackhawks, which makes sense? You know, our arena holds more than five thousand people, so they might want to get the next generational star to play in front of a big market with a lot of fans. Um, but we all know Gary Bettman is very. Uh, just ingrained in making this this Phoenix Coyotes thing work, Arizona Coyotes thing work, and nothing would help that more than Connor Bedard. So it's all which conspiracy theory you buy into. Um, I I just you know it's it's been it's been really interesting because every after every game we go to tankathon.com and we spin the wheel, we simulate the uh, draft lottery and see how things end up. And um, the Hawks have not been getting the number one pick very often. <laughs> You know, so it, it, like you said, it, it's not a sure thing. But watching the Coyotes, it kind of feels like they're right now where the Hawks might be next year or the year after, where some of the important young players have sort of made their transition to the team and are starting to contribute. Whereas the Hawks right now, you look up and down the roster, and all you the, the only guys you can really project into the future are Seth Jones because he's got an unmovable contract, and maybe Philip Kurashev, maybe Isaac Phillips. That's really it. In terms of the yeah. Coyotes. Where are you guys at in terms of prospects that will be part of the next great team? Well, I mean, it's really the middle core that's getting it done here, and more than anyone, Karel Vemelka. He's, he's the biggest reason why they have more points than they should right now. You've looked at, you know, I know the, the traditional stats like, say, percentage and goals against average. He doesn't look so great, but if you look at 
goals saved above expected. I think he's fourth in the league right now, and that's the biggest reason. But, you know, some of those middle core guys have taken major steps forward. Clayton Keller's a point-per-game player. Mm-hmm. Your buddy Nick Schmaltz is producing again now that he's in the lineup. Uh, Jacob Chikrin has been incredible since he came back into the lineup from wrist surgery. Uh, Lawson Krause is tied for the team lead in goals. So those guys in the middle core are the ones that are really pushing it. You know, Dylan Gunther didn't really have that much of an impact in the few games he played before he went to World Juniors in very sheltered minutes, too. The other part of this is Bill Armstrong can't help himself but bring in guys with character. They've got a lot of character guys (laughs) like Nick Bugstad in this locker room that are making this fun, somehow fun for these guys to go play in a 5,000-seat arena with a team that, at the beginning of the season, most analysts said was one of the worst rosters ever constructed in NHL history. Here they are, winning like crazy on home ice and doing, you know, uh, exceeding expectations without a doubt. What is the uh, what is the atmosphere like since the since the, the the Coyotes have been home? I know you had about what 20 games, something like that, to to start the season on the road. What's the atmosphere been like now that there's been some home games and some success uh, at home? Well, it's a lot of fun. It really is. Uh, it's it's a bizarre feeling for an NHL game because everything's right on top of the ice. The players have talked about this when they come in, the visiting players. It's just a different feel. You don't have that depth. I don't know. Like, I equate it to – I remember covering the NBA when the Spurs played in the Dome, and shooters would talk about how crazy it was playing in this massive place. Well, this is the reverse. It just feels like everything's right on top of you. You don't have a chance to adapt to it in one, like, morning skate before the game. So I think it's having an effect – it's a really fast surface, too. I'm sure you guys have seen the comments from a lot of the uh, players saying this may be the best ice in the NHL, which is just insane to think about. <laughs> it's a really fast surface. So it's really giving the Coyotes a home ice advantage right now. They, they've been selling out the games. They've been really good crowds. What I want to see is, okay, what happens in game 30 at home? What happens in season two and season three when some of that novelty is worn off? I, I don't know what to say about that at this point, but right now, they're definitely getting a home ice advantage at the mullet. Well, you mentioned the depth, and I want to I want to be clear. Like, are you talking about like the depth perception? Yeah. Like in yeah. terms of being on the ice and being able to tell like where you are, how far away the goalie is. I, that's something I didn't even consider. Yeah, a couple. Yeah, players that's got to be a huge adjustment. Yeah, it is. It's just a different feel than any. You know, the, everybody says, well, the ice is the same. It's the same dimensions, but when you go into that arena, it just feels different. And I do. You know, players have actually said that it's an adjustment stepping onto that ice and playing in that arena. Hmm. Very interesting. Well, nice to see, uh, Craig. You brought some of your your diehard PHNX fans over here in the chat. We got uh, <laughs> Karen and Christina and, and a few others. Welcome. Smash that like button. We're we're, n- we're not as, we're not as mean as as some people say we are. Um, <laughs> we are nice guys. Uh, but C- Christina brings up uh, said that most games are a lot of fun to watch, even when they lose. Uh, and I just want to say I'm jealous. Uh, of that because Blackhawk games are not fun. It's the same freaking 60 minutes of hockey night in and night out. They follow the script well. And they, they it's uh, so I, I, I think it'd be really cool to head out there and, and cover a game. We, we did a road trip to South Bend and covered uh, Michigan Notre Dame uh, hockey game. And we were sitting there going like, this is a probably just a wee bit smaller yeah. than where the Coyotes are playing. And I'm sitting there going, my God. To see an NHL game at something like this would be quite the experience. Yeah, it was. It would definitely uh, be like you said. Like everything right on top of the ice would would feel more, you know, intimate as a fan watching the game. And I'm sure as a as a player, you know, you don't have the the, the vast, 
you know, 20,000 seat arena at the United Center where fans can right. feel away, uh, you know, far away from you or you yeah. don't even you don't even think about it when you're on the ice. But when you're when you're there and everything's, you know, one level right on top of you, like it's got to be a little bit more more of a pressure as a player to kind of just feel that a little bit more intensely. Yeah. I wanted to ask you the flip side of it. You guys mentioned the uh, the atmosphere at the UC right now. Is this like, you know, pre pre two thousand eight two thousand nine? No. Is it it's, no. it's been, that no. level or okay? It's been surprising. They've actually had some good crowds over the holiday break. The New Year's Day game against the Sharks, another friend of ours in the tank standings, uh, was the second largest crowd, only behind the Marion Hosa retirement night of the season. Like they've had much better crowds than I expected and, and people are into the game now we'll see where once the college kids go back to school here in a couple of days and, and everything and we get into the dog days of February I, I'm sure it's going to take a beating but and post trade deadline yeah post oof, wolf I don't even want to think about that roster but it's probably going to tail off here but I would I would render a guess that the Blackhawks brass is very happy with the crowds they've had this year. I think they've been averaging 16, 17 Six, still a I game. About 16, So, yeah. uh, you know, even that, that the pre-Christmas game against Columbus, it was like f- negative four degrees outside, and they still had 15,000 sitting there. I couldn't believe it. I was expecting to go to that game, and it was going to be like a COVID season game. There'd be nobody there, but they, they were there. Yeah. They were selling beer. <laughs> Which helps. Yeah, is is there fallout then from all the things that have happened recently between the Kyle Beach scandal, Eddie Olchek being cut loose, the, the Pe- fact people that people were yeah. mad about and, it for and, a little, and, they yeah, were mad ahead. about it for a little while. But as you know, you've been around sports long enough. People move on. They they shout. They get something else to get mad about. I, I think a lot of that has. There you still get the people that bring it up all the time, but for the most part. People have moved on. They're like the Kyle Beach thing. Now there's not that much chatter about it. You do have a, a, a large group of fans that are like have thrown in the towel. They had you had a group of, of fans that after the whole Patrick Kane uh, incident in 2015 were done, and the way that was handled moved on. So, but for the most part, I don't. I think you know that's more of a narrative outside of Chicago than inside of Chicago. I think a lot of people. The diehard fans are kind of excited about what's happening because it's long overdue. I think they're more excited to have a team that, yeah, it's the worst team in hockey right now, but it's set up that because that's the first step of a of a well thought out vision into the future, which is something that this team, this franchise, hasn't had in a decade. Yeah, yep. I, I think too with the Kyle Beach scandal is the people who were primarily involved in that cover-up are no longer with the organization from the former GM whose name we can't say, right? To throw a dollar in the jar to Joel Quenville, to John McDonough, to Jay, like to all the people in power at that time are no longer with the organization aside from Rocky Wirtz. But Rocky is also, despite the denials by his son, Danny and Jamie Faulkner, he's taken a back seat in terms of the day to day He's not the front man anymore. You don't really yeah. see him at games anymore. Danny Wirtz is a guy doing what seems like the heavy lifting at this point. Um, so I think a lot of people have kind of said, okay, you know, had those guys remained, I think the feelings would be a little bit different. But um, oh, because it seems like the proper people were let go, that people have kind of been able to move on from it. So, yeah, I don't know. But like Greg said, yeah. score a goal and make me cheer and I'll forget all about it, you know. Yeah, we we don't. Uh, I mean, there's just. Has, I guess there's not enough of a 
a pass for the Coyotes fans to rely on to to move past things that quickly. There just hasn't been a lot of success in the past of this franchise. You've got three Stanley Cups. Maybe, you know, some people out, out there will argue they were all tainted because of what happened, but they won three Cups. The Coyotes have been to the Western Conference yeah. Final once in their entire history, and that was the only year that they won actual playoff series. They won the, the bubble that one year. That's it. That's all we got to uh, hang our hats on out yeah. here. Well, oh. we know, we've been following from a distance about the new arena in uh, in Arizona. What is the latest on that? Like, what, are things going well? Are the counties happy with the way these conversations have gone? And are they confident that they're going to get built what they want built? Yeah, it's to the final stage now. Um, the, the city council, Tepe City Council, voted 7-0 on all three measures of the proposal. So they're pushing it to referendum on May 16th. Tempe voters will decide the fate of the arena. It does not sound like there are that many opponents left you know, the Sky Harbor International Airport has backed off, so it doesn't sound like they're going to oppose this anymore. The Goldwater Institute, which has been a thorn in the Coyote side in the past, isn't going to oppose it. So it's really down to maybe some citizens groups, some NIMBYs, of course, and then uh, this uh, union uh, case, this, the, the, the acronym is CASE, but they represent uh, hospitality workers. They want, basically, they want their own workers. But it doesn't sound like the opposition has that strong of a case, and I know that two internal polls had been conducted previously of Tempe residents and found that more, more than 60% of them supported the project. So at this point, if I had to bet on it, I'd say, yeah, it's going to happen. It's going to pass on May 16th. And then, you know, they're going to have to do the cleanup of the actual dump site, which is going to take six to eight months and then probably like a two-year construction timeline. So you're looking at, you know, they're, they're definitely going to be in mullet for two more seasons and maybe a piece of that season after that, but they may be able to move in at some point during the season like the Islanders did last year and, and like the Coyotes did in Glendale back in 2003 when they moved in in December. Well, that's good. That's good. I mean, and it's, you know, we'll, we'll crack our, our 5,000-seat arena jokes for, I guess, two, two more seasons then. But <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it's really exciting to, to see the, the new facility and the renderings and everything. Um, for, for the Coyotes to play in. So when you when you look at the the, the future of the of the team and we we've had some some you know hypotheticals thrown at us with with the draft and everything if it's not Connor Bedard, if it's not Adam Fantilli for the Coyotes outlook, where where do you where do you think the organization then looks like if they get say the third or fourth pick? Do they do they roll the dice on on a guy like Matvey Mitchkov who is under a KHL contract which causes some complications? but would also then kind of line up with, hey, here's our new arena and our new rookie. Like, do you think that that is something that the Coyotes would be built for with, with this draft class? I think they'd, if they got the number three pick, they'd be much more likely to go after Leo Carlson. Uh, they, they're looking for a big center, and Bill Armstrong likes size, period. There's already some small guys, uh, you know, that are part of the future in this. If you look at Logan Cooley, I'm not saying he's small, but he's not a big guy. You know, Matias Michelli, some of the other players, Clayton Keller, Nick Schmaltz, these aren't big guys, so they're going to need some size in their lineup anyway. Um, and I know that they're pretty high on Leo Carlson as well. They figure they, they think he's right up in that tier. So while Mishkov is a, an exciting player, as you mentioned, there are some risks, and he's not the biggest guy in the world. I, I, I think they're looking more at premium positions. And this, this draft, if you talk to analysts, they really believe it's deep in centers more than anything else. It's not as great on defense or in goal. So that's probably the area that they would go. But if they fall beyond three, I don't know, guys. I mean, for, first <laughs> off, what, what was this all for if they don't get a top three pick in this draft? But we'll see. I mean, they have one, one thing that they have done since Bill Armstrong took over as a former scout, as you know, 20-year scout and the director of amateur scouting for the Blues, they have really 
beefed up this scouting staff. I can say with confidence that this is the most complete and, and most talented scouting staff that they've ever had in the, in the Coyotes' history. So that, that plays in their favor. It's still a crapshoot, of course, to a, to a certain extent when you're drafting 17- and 18-year-old kids, but this is a really good scouting staff. So they'll find someone. Should we throw our hypothetical at, at Craig? Would you sacrifice the opportunity at number one to guarantee number two? Wow. <laughs> so sacrifice what what's what are my odds for number one uh oh well, see that's a good question because if you're the hawks right now it's 18.4 yeah but yeah see that changes it that changes the yeah because you can't drop you can't drop past three if you're there right so that's, right, that right. guarantees you one of those three guys but if it's i mean if it's lower than that and i can get adam fantilli cer- a certainty yeah I, i'd probably take in that till you the fair. odds are low of getting number yeah. one because again big uh, center with a lot of talent yeah, I mean, we love looking at the future because that's all we got right now. Because uh, literally, all the we president, have. the president is so depressing. Uh, but we get that a lot around here, guys. Yeah, the uh, the NHL is, is starting to rev up the the All Star chatter, and then they confirmed that every every team's getting an All Star game representative. So, who's the guy heading from the desert over to uh, Southern Florida? Here is is it Clayton Keller, a point per game, or? Or maybe the better question is, who's going to get it and who should get it? Yeah, I think Clayton Keller will probably be the guy. When you look at the breakdown of these rosters, and this is part of what I hate about it, you know, it's going to be seven forwards, 2D, or it's going to be, in, in some cases, you get, you get one defenseman. So I, I think it hurts defensemen. I don't think the, the selection process is fair. I, I think it should be 6-3 when, when they divide this, and it should be a lock. So three defensemen from each division make it, but that's not the case. Um, I, I think Clayton Keller is going to be the guy. If I had to vote for someone right now off of the Coyotes, it would be Karel Vimelka. And you look at the numbers, again, you look at the, the traditional stats and say, well, it's not that impressive. But again, goals, goals saved above expected. And the reason the Coyotes are fifth worst instead of dead last, it's Karel Vimelka, without a doubt. He'd be the guy. He's been the team MVP thus far. Yeah. So who who's the guy that the, the fans are going to va- uh, rally around? They, 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 we got a fan vote the, now. The Twitter vote, yeah. Who's the, who's the Coyotes version of John Scott from a few years ago? Like, ah. is, is Zach Cassian going? <laughs> no, I, it would be one of the guys that we're talking about. But it, there, are, there are a couple other guys that are really popular, too, uh, as potential choices. Even though he's he's requested a trade, Jacob Chikrin has just been so good recently. Like, now, now Coyotes fans are begging him to stay. He'd be one guy I'd think about. And the other guy is Lawson Krause, who's, who's not going to get it. But he's the leading scorer, and he's, he's the guy that everybody around here thinks should be the next captain of the team. And, and I can see that, actually. I, I think he fits in a lot of ways. Yeah, you know what? I want to ask you about Chikorin. And the fact that he has requested a trade and is still with the team, how has that dynamic been? I, I, you know, I think as, as fans and analysts, we look at this as some sort of ever-present like cloud hanging over the organization what in your covering of the coyotes how is it how have things been since that request was made he's actually been really good in the room and bill armstrong was talking about this what a professional he's been about this whole thing he's been positive he's having fun you can see he's having fun with his teammates so he's not a, a distraction or a downer in any way in that dressing room which is good i mean it honestly that helps his trade value as well if you got start hearing whispers that he's been, you know, a moper the whole time that he's been playing here. That's probably not going to help his stock, but he's he's handled it like a professional. And again, he's doing it on the ice as well. Uh, ever since Andre Turinier put him and Shane Gostisbehar together, they've been dynamic. I I think since Chick came back in the lineup, those two guys have more points as a pairing than any defensive pair in the league. 
so they're playing at a really high level right now. It's just weird because a season ago, Jacob Chikrin was the untouchable. He was the guy you were certain they were building this franchise around. But then the Coyotes approach him and say, hey, you know, we're, we're going to strip this thing down. It's going to be a rough few years. Do you want to be a part of it? And Jacob starts thinking about it and says, you know what? No, I don't want to spend the prime of my career during a rebuild. It's not a lot of fun. So they've been working to make that trade. I think everybody knows by now the ask is two first-round picks and then probably either a second or another prospect. We'll see if Bill Armstrong yeah. gets it. He hasn't budged off that price, and, and a lot of people think he's crazy, but I heard the same things with a couple other deals that he made. Everybody said he'd never get a first-round pick for Darcy Kemper, and he did. So with the way Chick's playing, he's only helping himself, and usually what drives these things, guys, it's desperation. Team mm-hmm. gets into a situation where it needs that player, or it's, it's the actual deadline when you feel the pressure because you're trying to get into cup contention or playoff contention and other teams are going after him as well. That's usually when, when the trigger point occurs. So those, those are just, Brendan Hagel prices. Yeah. Ooh, well, wow. just, so, yeah. just for, just for our, just for our viewers and listeners who are salivating saying, well, Patrick Kane's much better than, Pat, than Jacob Chickern. Chickern is 24. He's got this year and two more at 4.6. So exactly. you're basically trading for his prime at a, at a with with years left on the deal, so Chickering's going to get more than Kane simply because of the guarantee. So, right, that's why Arizona can ask that much for Chickering. They might not get it, but if a bigger return comes for him than Kane, remember it's not like a well he's better than him, so he should get more. You got to look at the big picture of the deal. And speaking of trades, we look up and down this Hawks roster, and we're saying Taves, Kane, Domi, Athanasiu, maybe Connor Murphy, maybe Jake McCabe. On and on and on. Who are some of the veteran guys that you could see the Coyotes moving out ahead of the deadline here to stock up on assets? Well, in addition to Chikrin, Shane Gostisbehere is the other guy that I think will probably have some real value at the deadline. He is, I just wrote about him today, actually, because he's going back to Philly to play his 500th game against the team that drafted him. I mean, they, That's cool. the Coyotes literally gave Philadelphia nothing in that trade. Literally. Philadelphia paid the Coyotes to take Gostisbehere's cap hit, <laughs> and they got a second-round pick and another pick as well. Gostas Bear had 51 points last year for a team with the, the fewest goals in the NHL. He's, he's on pace for about 60 this season. He's been an elite offensive producer. He can really run a power play. Somebody's going to be looking for Shane Gostas Bear at the deadline, and they're going to get more assets there. Uh, aside from him, some lesser guys that might still have some interest in it. it the Coyotes will weigh this. Is it worth moving this guy on? Because they got two real character guys that mean a lot in the room, but they're probably not going to get a great haul in Nick Bukestad and Chicago native Christian Fisher. Those are two guys that I could see be moving. The dark horse here is Karel Vimelka. How badly do you want it? How badly do you want to tank? And what can you get for Karel Vimelka? He doesn't have that large a body of evidence, so I don't know if the the uh, return would be worth, you know, taking him out of this lineup and really hurting morale uh, by removing a goaltender who's played above above and beyond. But if somebody knocks their socks off with an offer for Karel Vimelka, I could see that happening as well. All right, Craig, before we let you go, and we've got some of your uh, PHNX fans in here, we want to give them the opportunity to take advantage of uh, the shirt design we have for a legendary uh, Arizona Coyote. Uh, Number 81 was raised to the United Center Rafters, and we all remember him from his time with the Coyotes and how memorable those years were. So if you're looking to commemorate the career of number 81, you can go to chgolocker.com. Get that design for Coyote's legend, name we can't say until the ad's over. Um, but you know who we're talking about, good old MH himself, who was sitting just over there a couple weeks ago, and his his aura is still in the room. 
It's still here. So if you not, if the not PHN, as button. Not as button. If the PHNX fans want to commemorate that that wonderful time that he had in Phoenix, uh, grab it at chgolocker.com. Anything you want to add? You got a prediction for tomorrow? Well, at first I want to say that just to put my fan on for a moment here, Marion Hosa is my favorite black of all time, so I'll say the name. Uh, all right, and and by the way, you can you can walk through the pantheon uh, of the new arena at Mullet, and you can see all of those coyotes. Marion Hosa is situated right next to Pavel Datsuk and Chris Pronger and Dave Boland, <laughs> Dave some Boland, other great Hawks, yeah, yeah, some other great coyotes of the past. But that uh, was a hell of a cup run when those guys all played <laughs> together. <laughs> can we can we interest you in a gently used Jonathan Taves? <laughs> we now, you know, they need a defenseman really badly to complete the line. So if you got somebody, we'll give you back Connor Murphy. Yeah. Doesn't really rise to the same. Brett, Brett, Brett Seabrook's con- Brent Seabrook's contract still got a year in it. Maybe maybe Lightning can <laughs> shift that over. <laughs> there you go. There, there you go. As far as predictions, uh, who's starting in goal for the Blackhawks? It doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> it really doesn't. Does no, it? actually, That's the Al- Alex right there. We were talking about the guy that we're going to stump for to make an All Star. We think it might be Alex Stalock, who's been really really good for the Hawks when healthy, um, and he is fun to watch. He's always leaving the crease. He's always chirping and yapping at people so hopefully it's Staylock. we're not sure uh, quite yet who it'll be but if it's peter mrazek i would bet uh, coyotes all right yeah. well, connor ingram's going to be in goal for the coyotes so if it's peter mrazek i am saying bet the over guys bet the over yeah yeah i like that all well right, that'll great. be fun all right that's craig morgan from phnx coyotes thanks craig we appreciate it especially on short notice and uh let's do let's do one of our big crossover shows ahead of the next time uh these two juggernauts meet Absolutely. You guys got to get out to the bullet. That, you don't have to tell hey, me twice. Yeah. We've got the same boss. You can send him a message. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, right, absolutely. Guys. Take care, man. Thanks, Thank Craig. you. Take That's care. Craig Morgan from PHNX Coyotes. Make sure you're following him on Twitter at Craig S. Morgan. And, you know, follow everybody there at PHNX. They do great stuff just like we do here. Uh, I love having our little crossover uh, guest visits with our PHNX and DNVR uh, counterparts because – just adds a different element to the show, and our, our viewers seem to really it's a lot love of it. Fun. And it's yeah. and joking aside, it's always cool to see the PHNX fans come in and check in on our interviews. So thank yeah. you all for coming yeah, in and checking absolutely. us out. We appreciate it, and make sure you smash that like button for us uh, on the way out. We'd appreciate that absolutely. And if you want to bet the over on tomorrow's uh, Blackhawks Coyotes game, very easy to do at DraftKings. Hockey fans, light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Why not bet that over? And Lucas Reichel to score his first NHL goal. Why not? I get a pretty big payout and a low yeah. investment on that trade. So check it out at DraftKings. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code CHGO, bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do, only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code CHGO. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And we are also brought to you by Chi-Town Custom Cornhole, the number one provider of cornhole games for the Chicagoland and Illinois areas since 2007. Their signature box style designs can be digitally printed, covered in vinyl, and painted to your liking. They come with built-in drink holders, which you got to appreciate and get good use out of when you're playing cornhole. Uh, They're right there in the back of the boards. They also have the LED lights 
around the hole that light it up so you can play late into the evening. And uh, the exterior handles for easy carrying because these are solid, sturdy, handcrafted cornhole boards. They are not light and flimsy like the ones you get at the outlet stores. Not outlet stores. Box, big box stores. No, these are these are sturdy, handcrafted uh, cornhole boards. Veteran-owned and operated is uh, Chi-Town Custom Cornhole, so you got to love that. They are also uh, able to ship their cornhole boards anywhere while also offering local pickups. So if you want to send them across country, you can. If you want to drive over there and pick them up yourself, you can do that as well. They specialize in corporate designs for your company's next marketing or social event. They make great wedding gifts, birthday gifts, holiday gifts. If you're really late on your holiday gifts, you can try and, try and make up for it with a <laughs> set of... Valentine's Day is right around the corner. Yeah, Valentine's Day. Something like a good old cornhole for Valentine's Day. Raggery. I was really trying to get through this one <laughs> without, without group. cracking You're in the wrong up. Group, pal. Anyways, get them for your favorite tailgaters and barbecuers in your life. Go check out their website, chitowncornhole.com. Make sure you're following them on Instagram as well at Chitown Custom Cornhole Boards so you can see all of their designs and their great work and order yourself some boards. All right, we're going to wrap things up. Uh, hey, hockey fans. Sweden and the U.S. are tied at five in the third period. Oh, so you're going to want to turn that game on NHL Network right now. Leo Carlson, I'm looking here. He's got at least two. He's got two points. Two How's uh, Sternborg, I only see buddy. one. I only see one point on the board for him. They might have changed the goal at one point. Uh, okay. I don't see any, see any points for Sternborg, mm. um, but we know he's out there giving his all. Yeah, he was saw, saw, saw him in a couple, uh, couple scrums early on in the game when we were watching it at, uh, at lunch. Yep. Oh, once it got on the right TV. The guy's like, yeah, we don't have NHL Network. And we went right, out, right there. I was TV. staring oh. right at it. <laughs> You're literally looking right at it, dude. Put it on the other TV. Yeah. Uh, anyway, thanks for joining us, everybody. Canada. We always appreciate it. Make sure you smash that like button on the way out. We're back tomorrow night after Hawks and Coyotes. Should be a fun one. This is a game I've been looking yeah, forward it, to it, for a while. It should actually legitimately be a fun game. We've got Reichel. We've got Senny. Hopefully Patrick Kane is back in the lineup. Uh, this will be a fun one. So join us tomorrow night after Hawks and Coyotes. Thanks to Sarah for running the show today. We appreciate it. Go Canada. We are CHGO Blackhawks. That was weird. I don't know why I said it that way. <laughs> Bye.